Good morning. Welcome back to another week of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright, and I am, as always, just ecstatic to be here with you this morning. I woke up early this morning, and I thought, oh, man, if only I could go in a little earlier, start the show a little earlier, but I wouldn't want you to miss out on what was before Roadmap to Heaven this morning. That was good stuff, too. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it is the second week of Advent, and here we are. I hope you are having a great Advent. Yesterday, we were uh, talking about the candles and why is the one candle pink, Dad? Why? That was the question at the Wright Institute of Theological Discourse. And we said, well, it's it's rose, but yes, it looks pink as well. But uh, it, it's the lighter color because you have the, the violet, the penitential color, the the color, you know, really, I would say also of hope, um, you know, especially when we think about Lent, when we think about Advent, even when we think about funerals, violet is one of the colors the priest can wear. And it's, you know, not complete despair. It's not the, the dark color of black, like the black vestment you sometimes would see at a funeral. Uh, but it has that tinge of hope to it. And then when you add even more, the, the, the saying I've heard is when you combine the violet of Advent with the white of Christmas in the liturgical colors, what do you get? You get rose. You get that pink color. And it's a beautiful thing. It means we're, we're not quite there yet, but we're almost there. So that's what we're looking forward to next Sunday. But this Sunday, that was the question. How come the, and, and why isn't that one lit? I like the pink one more, Dad. Why do they have to light the purple ones? So, well, it's, there's an order we go in. We don't light the rose candle until Gaudete Sunday, which is next week. Next week. So we're still on purple today. Speaking of hope, that's what we're going to hear about today. We're going to hear about hope in the, as the linchpin of living out a life of love. We're also going to hear about John the Baptist, the greatest opening act I love. We sang on Jordan's Bank. We sang some great hymns at Mass yesterday on Jordan's Bank, O Come Divine Messiah. Um, yeah, well, there, there was another one now that I have to think of it. I, I can't. Uh, but it was all just wonderful. I love the good Advent hymns. We're also going to hear from Sean McAfee about the Compendium of Sacramentals. What are sacramentals? Why are they important? How do we use them? That's all ahead on Roadmap to Heaven today. First, though, let's get you a check of the weather with Mike Roberts and also our Saint of the Day. Today is the feast day of Saint Damasus. Born in the early 4th century in what is now Portugal, he came from a family of devout Christians, and very early in life he knew he wanted to serve the Lord. His father was a priest, and Damasus followed in his footsteps, serving in what would later become San Lorenzo. In time, Damasus was called to serve Pope Liberius, and when he died, Damasus was elected to succeed him. But there was significant division leading to an anti-pope. The split resulted in violence, and although Damasus won the battle, he was never really able to heal the wounds it caused. However, his leadership from the seat of St. Peter was pivotal. Through his oversight, the church became the official religion of the Roman state, Latin, the official language of the church, and he commissioned his secretary to translate the scriptures into Latin. That secretary was St. Jerome. 
Despite the controversy of his papacy, his lasting legacy is one of humility. While there is a crypt in Rome with his name on it, Damasus' body is not in it. He said, I, Damasus, wish to be buried here, but I fear to offend the ashes of these holy ones. These words are written on the side of the crypt in Rome, but Damasus was buried elsewhere next to his mother and sister in 384. St. Damasus, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Prayer to the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the apostles by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in this same spirit to be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. As a father of both a second grader and an eighth grader this year, there are already things that are starting to come into our house for both of their celebrations of sacraments, whether that's confirmation, first reconciliation, first communion, the the things you would expect, little medals, a crucifix, uh, perhaps a necklace with a medal on it or a crucifix or some other symbol. And it made me think about how all throughout life, there are little things, just they're like little arrows pointing us towards our Lord, pointing us towards the faith, trying to help us on the way to heaven. And it's something that, uh, you know, I really wish we talked more about. So I'm happy to welcome to the show today Sean McAfee, the author of The Compendium of Sacramentals, a uh, wonderful book available from Tan Publishing. And really, uh, Sean, first, I want to say thank you for being with us. And, And second, thank you for compiling such great information for us. Thank you, Adam. First time on the show. I'm happy to be here. So let's let's start with a basic definition, because the one I just gave is pretty crude. What is a sacramental? Yeah, so these are sacred signs instituted by the church, which is like requires their approval um, that point us in the direction of the sacraments. What they're supposed to do is they're supposed to, they don't infer any grace on their own, but they're supposed to dispose us to inspire us to go and receive the sanctifying grace through the sacraments. Okay, so uh, we can't just walk around the house and say, oh, that reminds me of my baptism. That must be a sacramental right there. I was just talking to a friend about this last week, and I gave him that definition. He's like, so how about my wedding ring? And I was like, actually, no, that's like perfect example of something that could be. But no, because the church didn't institute that for you. The church institutes sacramentals for the entire church to take part in. Okay, so that, that's an important definition to work with. What are some examples, then? If the wedding ring is, is an example of something that, even though it reminds me of my uh, marriage to my wife, it's not a sacramental, what are some of the common sacramentals we encounter out there in the world? I would say the first easiest one to start with is the sign of the cross. It is by far the most common sacramental that we have. It's a, it's actually kind of like a double sacramental, of course. Uh, when you make the sign of the cross, you're you're making a blessing, but also you are... Um, signifying several elements of the faith, you know, the incarnation, the crucifixion, his resurrection, um, the paschal mystery, and things like that, which goes into the Eucharist and things like that. Another excellent one is, of course, holy water, which is easily the the foremost physical sacramental, right? Um, that reminds us of, of our baptism. Now, it's kind of hard to draw each of these directly to the sacraments, you know, because you're going to have something like a holy medal, like the medal of uh, St. Benedict or the miraculous medal. 
but that's still supposed to be able to dispose us and, and relate us to the sacraments. And then, of course, they're instituted by the church. Right. And, and I love that we use that word dispose because, you know, when we started talking about what were we going to have on Roadmap to Heaven three years ago when we launched the show, one of the things that was very important for us was to talk about sanctifying grace. We, we often talk about mortal sin and the, the state of grace. And as I was explaining some of this to the kids over the years, one of the questions they said, well, was Dad, if, if, if you're in a state of mortal sin and you're cut off from sanctifying grace, you know, how does God work to, to bring you back? And I said, well, that's where actual grace comes into play. And they're like, actual grace? What's actual grace, Dad? And I said, kids, the best way I can describe it is it's like the wind in the sails of a sailboat. It, it, it pushes you in that direction. And so I think of every time we walk into church, dipping our hands into that holy water stoop and making the sign of the cross. How that, you know, I'm not being baptized again, but it takes me back to my baptism. It takes me back to my baptismal calling. It takes me back to a lot of the mystery of faith and just that sign of the cross, as you explained to us, and reminds me like, okay, I have to live my life. And all of these things are calling me to live my life in a certain way. And if I do that, I'm going to be better disposed when I approach to receive our Lord in Holy Communion. Am I on the right track with that there, Sean? You're on exactly the right track. And, and I'm glad you kind of mentioned that because whenever I think of the name of the show, you know, if, if, the, if the show is oriented towards kind of directing us to heaven, then the sacramentals are perfect for that because they're like the road signs. You know, go in this way, go in that way. You know, they're like the GPS signals. And like you, you mentioned, that's that's actually beautiful. I should have included that in the in the book. We talk about grace and the difference between the sacraments and sacramentals, you know, um, the actual grace that sacraments infer uh, within our souls. Um, but yeah, that's a perfect analogy because the sacramentals are are super distinctive and unique and they they are excellent for that actual grace. Um but, you know, this kind of confuses people because uh, it's easy to get lost in the jargon. But without that disposition, we can't truly receive the sacraments either. So these are very important little roadmaps for us. Now, one of the things I love that you highlight in the book is talking about some everyday, ordinary objects that I think we all have. You talk about salt. You talk about water. You talk about oil, and, and you even say in the book, we have oil, salt, and chalk in other places of our lives. So these items aren't that special. I mean, on their own, uh, don't get me wrong, I love to cook. So salt, very valuable to me in the kitchen, as is olive oil. And uh, as my wife appreciates it when both I and the children are regularly bathing and not stinking up the house, she appreciates water and so do we. Uh, so we can also have these things set apart. And I'm thinking of actually not too far away. We're in, we're in Advent now, but soon it's going to be Christmas and then Epiphany, and we're going to have the blessing of Epiphany water. We're going to have the Epiphany chalk for chalking over our doors. So what's the significance of the fact that the church uses, you know, I, I would think they would say, we're not going to use everyday ordinary objects. This is the church. We use we use special objects. I mean, look at the chalice that we have on the altar, or, or look at the monstrance, or look at all of these ornate things that we use as vessels to hold our Lord when he's sacramentally present among us. And yet, She's also giving us these ordinary things and, and elevating them, it seems. You're right. You know, there's so many directions to go with that. And the, the way that I wanted to kind of present these in the book, I say, you know, common household items. But really, whenever I kind of think like that, I'm thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs or something like that, or maybe even primitive man. Like what has been valuable to mankind for thousands of years and why? Um, water, of course, clean water. You know, this is a cleanser. It can purify things It uh, you know, 
that is an easy relation to baptism. So we're blessing things. Um, and we are, and one thing I point out in the book is this is something that's true. The oils and the salts and the, the chalk, these are things that are present in nearly every religion on earth. So I like that because, you know, one of, I'm a convert. And one of the things that was really catchy for me still is, is this idea that God's not leaving everybody out there other than Christians. Um, he's not hanging out everybody else to dry and kind of leading them into darkness. God is given every religion at least or every every culture and every society you know riddles that point to himself now the of course the paschal mystery which we mentioned at the beginning of the show is like the the end the terminus of all of that it's what they're point what god's trying to point them to but these sacramentals we can get into each of them but something like chalk for example you know this might be like okay what on earth is chalk what is really cool about chalk is that it actually is a barrier against uh, infection and against insects and intruders in your home. Like people don't know this, but ancient civilizations, you know, up to the last couple hundred years, they would actually crush up gypsum and other chalk materials and they would uh, line their doors with them in order to stop insects from crawling through the cracks or something from the window or within the doors or the cracks in the wood. And you can still do that. If you got an ant mound, you can actually draw, if, it, if it's like on concrete in your driveway, you can actually draw a piece of heavy chalk, like real chalk around it. And uh, and they won't cross that line, or they'll be very careful about it. They'll have to clear it out one by one. Maybe be, even be sacrificial about it. Um, and that's just cool. So whenever we bless our doors at Epiphany, of course, we are warding against evil. We're asking for God's protection. And it's really the same for for most of the physical sacramentals. Is not just to have this practical thing because we don't. You know, we've got our Purell bottles and stuff to guard us. <laughs> against against bacteria and you know antimicrobial things like that but we're talking about the spiritual dimension and of course you know we we believe in what these sacramentals do spiritually but at the same time keep going back to this we're actually wanting more for these things to remind us about our commitments and our convictions as Christians so that we can go and participate in that life yeah i, I like to use that analogy of uh locking the door you know and and i think about that you chalk over the door well, sometimes I feel like I need to leave a sign for some of my kids, like, when you come in, close the door. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, Dad, I, I forgot to close the door. <laughs> this is a great reminder for us. Close the door to spiritual temptation. You know, don't walk into your house and say, okay, I'm home now in the confines of my own home. I don't have to be as careful about what I look at on the internet or what I watch on TV or how I talk to people, or it's okay if I gossip here because this is my family and, you know, this gossip's different than calling up a friend and gossiping. No, no, close the door on all of that and pray. Ask God for the protection. You know, at the end, he's the one with the better shield than I, I'd ever come up with. Yeah. You know, I was talking to one of the monks in Norcia, in Nursia, in Italy, um, where the Benedictines are. You know, actually, that's the birthplace of St. Benedict in, in Scholastica. And he's got this part of the campus that the prior has this part of the campus there where um, I had actually crossed into this place. He was like, Sean, this is clausura. And I was like, okay, that means closed in Latin. He was like, yes, so that means that we, this is where we dwell and we don't let the outside world in. It's not that we don't like you. It's just that we don't, we, we protect our home here. So we respectfully ask for you not to enter clausura because that's for us. So it's, it's the same concept. Yeah. I love that one. Now, one of the other things, and I'd like to wrap up with this that you talk about, and we mentioned the sign of the cross, but we could talk about genuflecting, we could talk about bowing, and it's this idea that, again, these actions, not only are they road signs, you know, for us to remind myself, okay, I am entering the presence of God when I walk into the church. If I see 
the uh, tabernacle veiled or the, the red sanctuary lamp, our Lord's present. The genuflection is not just a sign of honor for him on my part, but it also points to the other people around me. Maybe, you know, and I think of our parish, the old cathedral in St. Louis, right under the arch, they get a lot of visitors, and, and a lot of them are not Catholic. So if they see me come in and genuflect and make the sign of the cross, just that simple action is evangelizing them or, or is making a statement to them that, hey, there's something different about this building, because he didn't do that in the restaurant across the street where we saw him have lunch. Yes, and that's a very Catholic thing to do, not just like out of, um, not just out of even piety or or habit, but it, it is a Catholic thing to do to want to behave differently with the sacred, right? So even even the behaviors that we have for things like broken rosaries or ripped scapulars or melted candles or something like that, you know, the church asks us to behave differently with, you know, don't just throw it in the landfill. They actually ask us to dispose of those differently. And just like the genuflection and the, you know, the sign of the cross or bowing at the altar, you know, like you said, it's not just great evangelism for everybody watching around us, but inside our hearts, we want to say, okay, I assent and I'm convicted by these mysteries or what's present here at the altar or within the sanctuary of the church. And I want to render my behavior to that sacredness. And it's profound, honestly, as especially speaking as a convert now of 11 years, it's, it's profound to enter a church um, and get away from the world and say, okay, now here's my set of actions because look where I am and my behavior is going to model what's in my heart. Yeah. The other thing that's great about this at the end of the day is that it's also reminding me, which I said, you know, it's great that it reminds me, but even better, it evangelizes them. But we're also at that time of year, everyone's going to start thinking about their New Year's resolutions. And, you know, I want to get in shape. I want to go to the gym. I want to go do this. And every time I've ever been successful at any of those temporal things, it's because of little actions throughout the day. It's it's not going from eating to dramatic fasting 365 days a year that I've been successful at. It's been, what what's one thing I can adjust here? What's one thing I can adjust there? So when we think about the sacramentals, you know, would putting a little holy water stoop at the door of our house on the way out. Would that help me? That's a very simple, small step that I can do. Getting in the practice of not just genuflecting when I enter into a church or making the sign of the cross when I enter into a church, but even as we drive by a church making the sign of the cross, uh, stopping and saying a prayer, maybe turning the radio down. All of these things, as you said, are like road signs that, that point us. So why not put as many small signs everywhere throughout our day, whether we're married, single, students, religious, priests, retired, children, whatever it may be, uh, we can have road signs everywhere we go, and there's certainly no shortage of sacramentals that can help us along the way. You're exactly right. And the church even, they talk about this in Sacrosanctum Concilium, which is this, the, the, what is it, the, it's the Vatican II document for the uh, Constitution on Divine Liturgy. They say that nearly everything the church can use to point us to the mysteries of Christ, which is just amazing. You know, and I think that, that that's consistent with Catholic and Christian thought, really, because God created the world. And we can't really fall victim to dualism, which is like, hey, look, everything is evil except for the the spiritual. God created it. He called it good. He blessed it. And he asks us to remember him whenever we're using it. So why not use everything around us to give God glory? I mean, that's what Psalm 150 is all about, you know, let every living creature praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Sean, I, I want to thank you for spending some time with us on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. Again, the book is Compendium of Sacramentals by Sean McAfee. 
It's available through Tan Books, and that's M-C-A-F-E-E, and Sean is S-H-A-U-N. It's useful information to have when searching online for these things. I want to I leave you with this question, Sean, because I'm sure in putting this together and doing some research, you came across one or two things that made you say, huh, I didn't know that. Uh, and what's something you've learned while putting together this research on sacramentals that you're, you're glad you know now? Uh, I would say um, probably bells like bells are, are really fun. Of course, I'm a convert. I've mentioned that a few times now. Um, there's this one bell, the biggest bell in the world that was created for a church um, is called the Tsar bell. Uh, and if, if you didn't know, the Russians actually make the biggest Christian bells. Um, and they made this one like 150 or so years ago, and it never was rung because while it was being hung, the tower that is being put in burnt down. But what happened is it fell to the ground and it created a huge crack in the bell that was like triangular. And so a whole triangular piece fell off. And for a hundred years, they used that as the entrance to a chapel inside the bell. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So yeah. like double sacramental there is a chapel and a bell. Wow. I love that because we, we talked about bells earlier this year on the show. We had a cathedral nearby that was renovated and they had never had actual bells. So they installed actual bells. And I love that not only do we take bells seriously in our Catholic faith, we take it so seriously that, in essence, the bells are baptized. They're, they're blessed yeah. with holy water in the old um, in the old days. I sound like, you know, in the olden days, no. But not, not too long ago in the life of the church, they actually did call it the baptism of bells. And I've seen some beautiful pictures of priests up in a tower or up on a roof in cassock and surplice and stole with holy water. I'm like, it's an awful lot of trouble to go to for a bell, and yet— it's just another one of those things that's so important. So, Sean, thank you again for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven today. We are going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. A prayer for the gift of wisdom. Great is the wisdom of the Lord. God Almighty, your wisdom includes an understanding of what is fair, what is logical, what is true, what is right, and what is lasting. It mirrors your pure intellect. I entreat you to grant me such wisdom that my labors may reflect your insight your wisdom expands in your creations, displaying complexity and multiplicity. Your wisdom is an eternity ahead of man. May your wisdom flourish forever. Amen. We are continuing our Advent preparations here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement with Patty Schneier. And Patty, every year I hear those songs, whether it's on the radio or elsewhere. One of my favorites is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. But, you know, I think we could turn that into a fill-in-the-blank. There, there are any number of Christmases you could have, and I understand that's what we're going to talk about this week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Absolutely. When I was preparing this week, I actually kept singing the song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. And I thought, no, you know what? So often we get enslaved into creating the perfect Christmas, and Actually, I want to almost change the word. It doesn't fit to the music. But I thought, what kind of a Christmas do I really want to have this year? And I thought about it, and I thought, I want to have a virtuous Christmas. Christmas should be an icon into heaven. The unity of our families, the feasting, the singing, all point to heaven. But in reality, often through no fault of our own, what we actually experience is sometimes far from it during this whole you know, the secular calls it the holiday season, and it just becomes stress. It becomes so many of the preparations. It's not virtuous. It's not. It can become a burden. So your Christmas might be marked also by loss in your family. So it could be a really hard year this year or sickness 
or strained relationships. That's reality often. There are many who want to savor every moment of Christmas, but others who just want to get through it. And I understand both. I really do. In my prayer, I was led to the thought that maybe both of these extremes, trying to have the perfect Christmas or trying to just get through Christmas, both of them miss the mark. We're trying to have something that is unattainable. Maybe we could have a new goal for our Christmas this year, and that's having a virtuous Christmas. So today, on this first day of the week, let's take the theological virtues all together, faith, hope, and charity, those three. Let's be intentional and think about some realistic goals for our family gatherings, our social events, our work, our prayer, and church. Ask yourself some questions. Where can I bring faith into my work, my social gatherings, and family events? Just a little more this Advent. Maybe have a mini nativity scene on your desk at work. Maybe send a truly religious Christmas card this year rather than just a family photo. Maybe pray about ways that you can bring your faith more out in the open this Advent. So the next virtue, let's look at hope. Who needs a little hope in your family? We probably all know someone who's struggling with depression or is just feeling down a little bit this year, alone or a little sad. Make it a priority to do something for that person. Write a note. Stop in for a visit. Give them the hope that God has a plan for their life. Maybe just send them a link to an encouraging, uplifting podcast or a text and say, I'm thinking of you. The final virtue, charity or love, faith, hope, and love, faith, hope, and charity. This is the one that I need to do the most. This idea came to me in prayer because love is creative. Who is the person in your life that you most take for granted? Now, I know who that is in my life. Who is it for you? So often we go out of our way for a million other people at Christmas, but the one who sees us at our worst, the one who's always there, the one who often goes unnoticed is the one we spend the least amount of time and effort to surprise or lavish at Christmas. This Advent, take the time to create something out of love just for that special person. Be intentional to this Advent. Bring faith, hope, and love into your preparations. It's a new way for us to look at this season of Advent. Patty, thank you for today's dose of encouragement. A most commendable indulgenced prayer to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, shower copiously thy blessings on thy holy church, on the Supreme Pontiff, and on all the clergy. Grant perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten infidels, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors, assist the dying, liberate the souls of purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, most kind, bless us now and in death's agony. From a sudden and unprovided death, deliver us, O Lord. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R-catholicradio.org. 
I hope you are enjoying Monday morning, that we've got you off on the right foot this Monday. We do want to let you know that the broadcast is going to be a little different for the next three days. We have our winter mini radiothon tomorrow through Thursday. I'll be with you every morning at 7 a.m. And I'm going to have some fantastic guests that we're going to speak with. And I hope to learn a lot about some of the Advent and Christmas traditions they have in their homes and something that we can take away with us to help us prepare to celebrate this beautiful season that's coming this beautiful Christmas season. So tune in for that, and then we'll be back with you Friday morning with a regular edition of Roadmap to Heaven. Uh, We've got a lot to cram in in these last few days of broadcast before our final broadcast of the year on December 22nd, which is just 11 days away. Wow, that's no pressure to uh, get ready for Christmas. I also want to remind you, you know, we we didn't talk about Seek today on the show, but we are going to be at Seek 24, January 1st through 5th at the America Center. Go to seek.focus.org for more information. Check out the Making Missionary Disciples track. You can get a one-day pass. You can get a weekly pass. I do suggest if you're going to get a one-day pass, come early in the week. Come on Tuesday, and then if you want to come back, it gives you more opportunities to come back. Don't come on the last day and say, oh, I wish I could come for more, because then it'll be the last day, and it'll be over. Come early in the week if you can. And if you can't come during the week, during the daytime for the conference, everyone in the Archdiocese of St. Louis is invited to join Wednesday night for adoration at no charge. And for more information on that, you can go Go to archstl.org slash seek. And be sure Tuesday through Thursday, stop by our booth on Mission Way at Seek. We're going to have some fun giveaways. We're going to be playing our Cataquiz game. I'd love to meet you. If nothing else, come by and meet me because I love to meet all of you. Every time I go out and say, I listen to your show. It's like, well, it's our show because it's, it's as much yours as it is mine and we're growing in holiness together. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Mary, star of the sea, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons. Pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know what? In just two days is St. Lucy's Feast Day, and it's the day I'm putting my Christmas lights up for St. Lucy's Feast Day. Why? Well, maybe we'll have to talk about that later this week as well. But in the meantime, have a blessed Advent for Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today.